Welcome to Fireside Chat, a short interlude with weekly features where I, your host Job Lucas, will be showcasing and interviewing prominent D&D creators. This week, we are talking to Lunch Break Heroes, the author of a Cursorstrad guide called Raising the Stakes, about choosing what and how to change in the Cursorstrad module. You're the author of Running Cursorstrad, a YouTube series that makes a number of modifications to the rules as written module. What does your channel try to do with these guides and why did you start it? Well, the mission of Lunch Break Heroes is to provide inspiration to dungeon masters around the world. Modules provide a narrative framework, but it can be loose at best, and at worst, it's disjointed. Putting all of those parts together into a coherent whole can be difficult and challenging, and there's a lot of creative work that goes into it. It's fun work, and I think all of us enjoy it to one degree or another, but it takes time. And having an additional resource to draw upon and gain inspiration from is very helpful. It's extremely valuable to a lot of people. So it's our job at Lunch Break Heroes to take these modules, create connections within the narrative, and change content to make things more interesting and engaging, and help you run the best game possible. I originally started Lunch Break Heroes back in December of 2018 just on a whim. I wanted to have my own D&D channel where I explained the rules of the game and helped people learn how to play it. Now, the first video I created was about death-saving throws, and it was absolutely god-awful terrible. You can't actually view it anymore. It's not available. But right around the same time, I was also running a game of Lost Mine of Fandelver for my group at work, during our lunch break, of course. And I was spending a lot of time searching around for ways to change up the module and make it better and extend the story. And I wasn't finding much on YouTube at all. I found a lot of stuff on Reddit, and that's still my go-to place for resources. But I saw this gap in YouTube, and I figured, hey, I could make this stuff, and people might actually watch it. I might find an audience with it, and I have. It turns out quite a few people come to YouTube and watch these guides, and it's been great. We're coming up on 10,000 subscribers now, and there's really no end in sight. It's been a fantastic ride for me, and I hope it goes on for a lot longer and across a lot more modules. Without getting into too many spoilers or details, what are some of the biggest flaws in the Rules as Written Grosserstrad module? Well, its biggest flaw, aside from you know the typecasting of an entire race of people as evil drunkards, is really its staunch adherence to the original I-6 module from 1st edition. Now, granted, I understand that Curse of Strahd is an update of that adventure for the latest edition, but it's honestly a bit disappointing to look back at I-6 and realize just how little has changed within the village of Barovia and Castle Ravenloft. I mean, you pull them up, you put them side by side, and Irina is still there, and Ismark and Bildrath's Mercantile, Man Mary, the whole bit, it's all there, one for one. And even in the castle, they've added a few tidbits here and there, but basically nothing has changed. Now, based on your opinion, that could be good, that could be bad, I think it's a little bit of a letdown, to be perfectly honest. Now, one of the biggest problems in this adherence is Irina herself. Now, for a lot of groups, she's not an easy character to run or even to like. 
If you've been browsing around the subreddit long enough, you'll see post after post after post asking about how to make Irina a likable character. Not even just a good character, but just somebody that their party likes. As soon as the players get into the village, they're basically given this escort quest for somebody that they're supposed to care about, but they've just met her. They don't care about her. And if there's one thing that gamers hate, it's escort quests. Irina is just this almost entirely blank slate beyond being just this damsel in distress. And that's a hard personality for DMs to work with when creating a three-dimensional character. So, unfortunately, I think the basic premise of Curse of Strahd, you know, keeping Irina safe, is probably its biggest weakness. What's your process for identifying potential issues and brainstorming fixes for them? Well, the way I approach it is actually kind of weird, I think. I liken each part of the adventure to a painting on a canvas. Have you ever seen it where people go to secondhand stores and they buy a cheap painting and then make their own modifications to it? That's kind of what I feel like I'm doing here. With some parts of the adventure, I'm filling in the empty spaces with more detail. Argon Vostel's a good example of that. With other parts, I'm adding extra bits around the outside or painting over parts entirely. The werewolf den is like a painting where I just basically cover up everything except the outlines. But on a more concrete level, I really try to look for gaps in the narrative. Empty spaces, characters without a background motivation, ideas that might seem connected but aren't explicitly so in the module. I also look for things that aren't fun or they're not as fun as they could be. And then I either take those out or I update them. And all of this, you know, I just try to fix it as best as I can and make it an adventure that I would really want to run, something that I would put at my table. And I think that speaks to a lot of people out there. What overall guidance would you give to a new Curse of Shroud dungeon master? What about a new Curse of Shroud player? Well, for the new DM, I have to say, read the module at least once and more if possible. It sounds like the most obvious piece of advice, but I think it's integral, especially for Curse of Strahd. There's so much interplay between the various chapters and so many callbacks that having it in your mind as a whole is imperative to running it to its fullest capabilities. You really have to internalize the whole narrative of the module. Now, whether you can do that without actually running the game, I'm not entirely sure, but give it a shot. Once you've read the thing as many times as you're comfortable with, I definitely watch my videos, for one, but check out all of the other guides out there. There's a massive amount of resources that you can draw inspiration from and just pull lots of little details from in order to make your game your own and make it better than you ever thought it could be. As for advice for players, be vulnerable, but don't let the darkness overtake you. Barovia is this bleak and dark place but I guarantee you can find little slivers of light here and there to hold on to. Those bits of light are going to help make this one of the most amazing stories that you'll ever take part in. What lessons have you learned in your efforts to start your channel and produce video-style D&D content on YouTube? For starters, it's really hard to differentiate yourself in this space. The number of bald white men who make videos about Dungeons & Dragons is staggering. But on a more serious note, I've really learned to listen to my audience. That's made all the difference. They come up with some of the best ideas, like offering written versions of my guides on Patreon. That wasn't my idea. That was a viewer's idea. 
And they even come up with some great ideas for other chapters as well. The audience is really the core of everything. And thankfully, the D&D community is a very positive one. The encouragement and enthusiasm that I see on a daily basis within the community is nothing short of amazing. I don't really see this in any other online community that I've ever really been a part of. There's really not a lot of toxicity. It's just a bunch of happy people that want to help each other out and want to tell great stories. And I'm very proud to be a part of it.